Hey, warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. My name's Danielle Collins, world-leading face yoga expert and all-round lover of everything to do with wellness and self-care. And we have got an amazing guest this week. I am chatting to the lovely Rebecca Campbell. She is a writer, poet, mystic, artist and mother. And all of her creations are really dedicated to giving people an experience of the soul. And that's exactly what we talk about in this podcast. Everything to do with living and stepping into a soul led life. And talking about soul, I am so excited for my new offering, Soul Purpose Business. And it was interesting because someone asked me, last week. Danielle, why did you decide to set up a second business, particularly when your face yoga business is thriving so well? And obviously, of course, so much of my attention and time goes on that. And really the answer is my intuition told me to do it. I felt such a strong pull, such a strong urge to share with people how I have created, how I have grown and how I have scaled my business and my sole purpose, which is wellness and self-care in a way that is conscious, in a way that is soulful and in a way that helps me look after my well-being. But of course, in a way that also makes money. And I think it's important to say that actually for me, great business is about both. It is about making the money and seeing the results and seeing the success, but also on the other side of things, just really stepping into your sole purpose, really taking time to look after your wellness, your self-care, and really leading in a very soulful way. And that's exactly what my upcoming course, Be Your Own Brand, is going to be doing. So this is a live coaching group course. I will be leading you every week. It'll be 90 minutes over 10 weeks. There are a few weeks break, but it's 10 sessions in total. And this is about really understanding how to grow and scale your brand. And it's very much focused on how you can market yourself both in social media and beyond, but also how you can start to get yourself known as a great brand whilst looking after to your wellness, your spirituality, and stepping even further into your soul purpose. It's about getting results. It's about helping your business get to multiple six figures and beyond. So it's really for you if you already have a business, you're already a freelancer, you've already stepped into what you love doing in your passion, but you really want that guidance to grow the business, both financially, but also emotionally, and spiritually as well, and how to learn a little bit more about that balance of that wellness and self-care, but also about getting results in your business. So if you'd like to sign up for this course, there are any limited spaces on it. It's yoursoulpurposebusiness.com. So you can go there for all the information. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode with the beautiful Rebecca Campbell. Rebecca, a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. Great to be with you and everyone uh, today, Danielle. I'm very excited to have you here and for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is because I have been enjoying your Starseed Oracle cards for probably about seven or eight months now. And about a month ago, I got your Rose Oracle cards, which are just as beautiful and just as inspirational. So 
I'd love to just start talking about those actually, just because that's <laughs> been my connection to you for the last few months in so many Amazing. ways. Where was your inspiration to make those Oracle packs? Uh, well, I, I'd, I used to be a creative director prior to, to writing spiritual books and yeah, um, exploring the great mysteries of life. And so I've always loved, yeah, just the beauty of visuals and their power to kind of like transport us. And um, I call them like gateways to the soul, like art, poetry, um, good food, all of that are um, what I call gateways to the soul. And so I really had always wanted to, to kind of be able to turn in into um, into real life uh, different visions that I'd always had. And so that's why I started creating Oracle cards. Um, I've also used them as part of my daily practice for some time now. The word Oracle, it comes from a Latin word, orari, which means to pray or speak to the divine. And I see the divine as being within us as well as, you know, within, it's in the sacred, within everything on the planet. Yeah, it was a dream to definitely create my own set of oracles. And yeah, this second oracle, the Rose Oracle, the Rose has been such a creative muse and I guess also like a a, a mystical a healing symbol for me since I moved to London from Australia and discovered Regent's Park Rose Garden. So yeah, I've been obsessed with flowers, in particular the rose. So it made sense. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the rose one. And again, I'm obsessed by roses, particularly white roses mm. for me. Really? Um, yeah, I absolutely love them. And just before I was chatting to you, actually, I pulled a card from each of the oracles, which I've got mm. on my on my desk now. So in the rose oracle, I picked the reunion. Union, um, mm. which is lovely about soul recognition, collaboration, partnership and friendship. Mm. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that card in particular, if if you if you would like to. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just getting it out myself. Yeah, mm. the 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 reunion card, it's interesting that card was the first one that we created for the deck um, when I started working with Katie Louise, who is the artist. Um, I did a couple of test images with her and that card has actually been done about 200 times, to be honest, and it kept changing as we went through the deck. Uh, So it's quite a special card, actually, and to me it really represents the what I call the call of the rose, um, you know, it took me quite a long time to realize that I wasn't the only one obsessed with roses, um, particularly in the spiritual sense. So yeah, this card really is, you can see all of the, in, in this card, all the women coming together who have that inner call to create and express something in the world. At the top, you've got the rose with all little diamonds all around it. And so that kind of really represents the the gathering of, of each of us who perhaps have felt deep within us that there's something that I'm here for. There's something I know I came here to earth to do. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I know there is something within. And so, yeah, that's, this card really is about the, the inner call, answering that call. And to realize that 
say when you, you know, like you've got a podcast, you do amazing work in the world. Sometimes it can feel like, oh, there's when, when you have what I call a soul mission, it can feel like, oh, there's so much to do and all of that. But to recognize that actually we're each doing our own thing in our unique way. I believe that there are groups of us who are kind of creating together. And it's almost like we're singing a like a note to a song. So that's what this card really, really represents, the gathering of those who are called and kind of creating together. Oh, I love that. And I pull this card quite a lot. And I'll tell you what, when I first pulled this card, I think it was probably the first one I ever pulled, um, mm. which is, you know, which fits so beautifully that this is the one that I pulled today just before speaking to you. Mm. And I remember looking at the the three main pictures of the women on there. And it almost took my breath away for a moment because all I saw in that was myself when I was about 17 or 18. Mm. Exactly like I did then. And I remember going, Yeah, it does really look like you, doesn't yes, it? Yes, <laughs> my goodness me. And it really took my breath away when I saw it. <gasps> so that's, yeah, just so beautiful that I picked that one today. And also, of course, you know, how we're talking with each other and collaborating with each other, it just yeah. makes such beautiful sense. So I love that. Mm. And then when I picked one out, the Starseed Oracle, and I love mm. the Starseed Oracle, I first came mm. across this deck when I went to a really nice yoga workshop in I live in Bath in a local yoga mm. studio in Bath she laid out your oracle and asked everyone to pick a card and then to just look at it at the end of the workshop and then we could look in the lovely book that comes with it what it meant and I can't actually remember which one I picked on that day but the one that I've picked today is the great severing so about Mars mm. energy anger conflict and softening to love so I'd love you to talk a little bit about that card as well Mm. Well, well, that's one of the most powerful cards in the deck. And wow. I know that sometimes when that one comes up, it's like, oh, <gasps> there's, <laughs> yeah. there's about three. <laughs> and I remember when I, when I was creating them, my publisher, my publisher was like, oh, can't you just like make it a bit more positive? And I'm like, well, life isn't just like that, you know? And actually it's in these phases that we go through like collectively and individually that that actually invite us to, you know, it's through facing the shadow, it's through facing the uncomfortable that we we birth ourselves anew. And so that card really, I think it could be a reflection of what's happening collectively or perhaps there's something happening within your life where it's like this invitation to kind of acknowledge the polarity, acknowledge the the things that are painful that are um the severing the separation the disconnection in order to come to the other side you know it's like mm-hmm. when um i gave birth to my son a couple of years ago that was one of the biggest experiences that birth taught me just mm-hmm. the extremes of life you know um i remember holding my son and just feeling so much love but also then just so much because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if something happens to him? Same thing with the actual birth for myself. It was the most excruciating and ecstatic thing I'd had ever experienced. And I think that is life. Uh, and particularly with the world the way it is right now. Um, and it's also how we grow, right? Through mm-hmm. challenging relationships, through being hurt, and then, you know, finding that path of healing. 
Absolutely. And that all speaks to me so much. Mm. And I, um, I've really been stepping into that concept of polarities, both on a global universal Mm. scale but also internally and also like you say in experiences in our life and I think birth is the perfect example of a polarity and I completely resonate with what you're saying it could be one of the the most empowering exciting amazing love-filled experiences (laughs) but also the most severe pain that you will ever experience in your life and it's it's really interesting when we start to apply that concept to our our day-to-day life so Mm. really beautiful and powerful cards there I'm really glad Mm. I I shared those with you and you shared what they mean um, a little bit deeper it's lovely to hear that from you Mm. and I'm really interested to know when your first spiritual awakening so to speak started and I was reading a little bit about your story and I know that you said that as a teenager you started to really connect with your soul and start to explore that spiritual side of yourself would you say that's when your sort of first awakening happened yeah I think so I had a couple of things happen that um yeah just just made me not be able to just gloss over it and I guess it did happen quite young relatively I think I'd always felt that kind of like longing or the the, the the yearning for the whisper of the soul and, you know, why am I here? Like I definitely always had that that yearning within me. But, yeah, it wasn't until like mid-teens when I started properly like being like, wow, like past lives and, and um, what does happen when we die and what is the soul and, you know, asking these questions, which, of course, can never be answered because <laughs> they literally are the great mysteries of life. But I always found that just so, so fascinating. And I remember being very, very drawn to death and birth and these things that are actually the most normal things in the world. But for some reason, we've disconnected ourselves from them, you know, yeah. So one of the first books I ever read, like of my own will, like besides school, because I'm I'm the slowest reader. I'm a bit dyslexic and yeah, reading, I only do for an outcome. I'm definitely not a pleasure reader, if that makes sense. But I remember being so fascinated about death and dying and and that part of us doesn't live on and all of that I was yeah it was seems quite morbid but I was reading lots of books about death and what happens when we die and 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 yeah just that connection like when someone in our lives that we're connected to passes what happens to that connection I've always been really fascinated by that that's amazing and it's really interesting to hear when that happen for you because I mean for me I would say I mean I believe that many of us have many spiritual awakenings throughout Mm. one lifetime for me I definitely had a type of spiritual awakening when I suffered quite a a severe illness at the age of 21 Mm -hmm. but then I definitely would feel I've probably had two more spiritual awakenings within the last few years again Mm. interestingly so I'm really intrigued about sort of multiple spiritual awakenings do you see that pattern for yourself as well absolutely Mm. like I think the awakening process never ever 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 
the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, when I look back, there's ones where like around 2010 to 2012 or 13, I definitely had what I would call a more kind of like cliched ecstatic awakening, like which does not mean it was easy. It definitely wasn't easy. It was post deep, deep depression actually after losing friends and um, through death and ending of a relationship. It, it, it did follow by a, a, a very physical awakening period, but it was ultimately I would call heading towards the kind of more bliss ecstatic state, which did not stay forever, that was for sure. But, yeah, there was a period where it was like, wow, mm -hmm. you know. But then, yeah, like you recently, I've been through um, this post becoming a mother, another very, very intense, quite physical awakening period, which was very physical, but it was definitely not blissful. It was more about really facing the the polarity and the 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 grief of what it means to be alive and and I think that in order for us to fully embrace the joy like the ecstasy we need to look at the other side as well and so it feels to me like back in 2012 it was going into the ecstasy which to me means it's like you know it felt like a more upward type awakening and then after having my son about nine months after that it was more of a downward one I don't know if that makes sense to you. <laughs> it makes so much sense to me yeah. at all. And as you're saying that I resonate with so much of what you're saying. And I do feel that our spiritual awakenings come in so many forms. I mm. mean, for me, certainly, I had October last year, I would say I definitely would be my latest one, so to speak. <laughs> um, but for me, there was definitely a very low point there. And actually for someone that in 40 years hasn't really suffered from what I would describe as any mental health issues, so to speak. I mean, we all we all go through um, mental health ups and downs all the time, of course, but I definitely had about a month of feeling really, really low and having some really difficult, dark moments. And that was the first mm. time in my life, actually. But what that did for me is it was really, I mean, I describe it sort of dark night of the soul in many ways, because it really made me understand why I was going through that. And it really made me face some things perhaps that I hadn't wanted to face before. And when I did that, it really then just opened those doors for me to step into, to heal myself mentally and physically. And actually, you know, it was a massive blessing in disguise that I went through that really difficult month. I've had other spiritual awakenings. I mean, perhaps maybe January 2020, I would say again, a more recent one, but there, there was nothing deep that happened. There was no physical or mental health issues, anything like that. It was just like a gradual sort of opening, maybe peeling back some layers of the onion, starting to understand a few more parts of me. So they come in so many forms, don't they, the, these awakenings? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm, it's really, really interesting. And how, something which I found really interesting about what you said is particularly as a teenager starting to get your head around one of the the biggest questions we can ever face which is what our soul actually is how mm. today do you make sense of that question and what is your personal answer to that mm. so to me the soul is the part of us that never dies mm -hmm. it's what I call the ancient self 
It's the presence that was there before we drew our first breath and that will carry on after we exhale our last. Um, I see the soul as growing through all of our experiences, obviously in this life, but also beyond. So I do believe it carries with it, like, so it, it kind of changes over time in the same way as we change over time, as we learn things, as we grow, as we experience like positive things as well as negative things. And so I think the soul can carry with it these gifts, for example, which we may have been cultivating for lifetimes and perhaps beyond that, which again is the greatest mystery. But then also I think it can carry with it various different memories which act like a imprints and there's a there's a um, Sanskrit word for that concept which is samskara and so it's kind of like mental impressions imprints that the soul carries with it from lifetime to lifetime love that such a beautiful answer and I would completely agree with everything you said there and if you were to describe to us how we can live a more soul-led and a more soulful life. Do you have any sort of tips or techniques, maybe three key ways that we could do this? Yeah, for sure. So I think if we see the soul as this part of us that that chose to 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 come here, right? To to live this life. And the soul is essentially the part of us that's connected to like our intuition. And I think it's also connected to what I call the pulse of life. So it's the same thing that that tells the flowers when to bloom, the seasons when to come and go and all of that. So I see the soul as like this intelligent part of us that's that's constantly guiding us. And the invitation for living a soul-led life is to ask that part of us to really step forward forward and lead. So rather than it being our mind, which is again, an amazing thing, but our mind can get stuck in fear and anxiety and overthinking and all of that. So the soul is the part of us that is always calling. And so to live a soul led life, the three uh, things that I found to be super, super helpful. First one is to to find a way to connect each day. And this can be for five minutes. It doesn't have to be like an hour or anything, but some kind of daily practice that we develop. I think the most popular practice is like meditation. Um, but there are so many different practices that we can do from like dance, to singing, to chanting, to even walking in nature in a meditative way. Um, so the f- first step is to connect. The second step is to to listen. So I have what I call soul inquiry questions, but what, what you're really doing is just, just tuning in to the calls of the soul. So you might ask yourself, mm, what's my soul yearning for? Or what's my soul calling me to do? Or what do I need to know today? Um, Something like that. Um, And then the third step is the one that most of us don't actually do. And most of us see as just this like simple thing at the end that we, that isn't actually that important, but I think it's just as important as steps one and two. And that is um, to act. So I call it taking a baby step in the direction of the soul calling. So 
you know, a baby step is an example of say you've meditated or you've walked in nature and your soul is yearning for you to write tomorrow, or it could be to reach out to a friend, um, to have a conversation about something. So the, the, the step, the baby step is not to say, write a whole book or anything like that. It's literally to show up and, and, and maybe tomorrow write for five minutes or 10 minutes, or it could be to uh, buy a notebook and a pen, for example. So the baby step is really the grounded action that you can take in the direction and, you know, I think so often we get these visions, we get these intuitive hunches or guidance that of the direction we're being called in, but it can become really, really overwhelming because we can see this end destination, but we can't see all the steps along the way. And so that's why taking these baby steps is so crucial for it um, because we, we it's impossible to, to know exactly every step along the way. But if we just take the next step and the next step, then day after day after day, that's how we find ourselves truly living a soul-led life. Amazing. That's such wonderful, wonderful advice. And how have you found this since becoming a mother, putting these steps into action? What has been easier for you? And also what's been more difficult as well? And I'm asking this mother to mother. I think in the in the baby period, like, you know, when you're up all night and like you <laughs> literally uh, needed for the survival yeah. of this being. In some ways, I found that easier than now because I don't know about you, but I think there's nothing like a baby to get anyone to sing. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> sings to the baby. And so I already had a practice of chanting. I, I've trained trained as a Kiritan leader and um, I've studied bhakti yoga. And so devotional chanting had always been like a part of my practice. And also I've had teachers who are like, just sing to whatever song. Like, you know, it's, it's part of like, I think when we sing, just like poetry, it's, we're able to kind of um, step into like a different kind of, kind of energy. And so, yeah, my husband and I found ourselves singing a lot. And so I started doing, um, you know, it was interesting. My, my mother-in-law was visiting and so, and I just started working and I was feeling like I'd, I'd get home from work and then everyone would have my baby. I'm like, I want my baby. And I started getting triggered about it. Mm. And then my husband's like, so take your baby. And so I, I was like, oh yeah, okay. So I did. And then it was so beautiful because it started this nightly ritual, which I still do with my son, which is we have a bath together. And I mean, now the bath is a little bit more chaotic because there's a lot of trucks in there and he body slams me. And so I wouldn't, I don't think it's part of my daily practice now, but when he was a baby, I would sing with him in the bath, like these different songs with his name. Sometimes I'd I'd change the words to chants that I knew and sing his name instead. And so, yeah, and same thing through the night I found as well as I was like nursing him or rocking him, I'd imagine kind of the great mother doing that to me as well. Mm -hmm. So that phase I found a lot easier than now because now it's just like a million miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do... Um, 
I do take him on walks in nature and that definitely, definitely helps me, but it's not as good as when I just go on my own. So yeah, I think now I have to like speak to my husband and be like, right, I have to do this. Or, you know, I I do go to work. And so it's integrating it into my work day rather than trying to do it at home because it's just not going to happen there. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure as he gets older eventually. (laughs) Yeah, How about you? Well, it's finding that balance really, I think, between um, doing those things that help nourish our soul that we need to do alone and then working out which things are good to do together. I have two girls, they're five and nine now. Mm. Um, And actually, I find that I try and put my sort of soul-led work, my self-care, my wellness into sort of one box too much sometimes. So I can Mm. sort of say, okay, so when they're at school, I'll do my work, but then I'll make sure I go out in nature and I'll do my yoga and I'll do these things. And then when they're back, that's when I'm going to be doing all the tidy up, making them do their homework, you know, suddenly going into that Mm. side of me. And what I have to remind myself quite often is why not bring them into it a little bit more. So like you say, it's totally go out into nature on your own, but also how can I bring them as part of it out on my own rather than almost being two people the the working and the spiritual yeah. Danielle throughout the day and when they're here after school then I suddenly become nothing but the do 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 doing mum you know just constantly on the go my youngest who is five she's quite naturally spiritual and quite naturally psychic so often she'll say Bamp who's my granddad oh Bamp sat next to me now or I've just seen him walk down the road or so she'll Hmm. say things like that she's hugely connected to crystals I mean her goal is to own a crystal shop when she's older (laughs) and she's similar to what you were saying earlier she talks a lot about birth and death and all of that type of thing so when she brings those things up I try and remind myself okay fully step into that you know Mm. she's chosen me to be her mother for a reason so actually just stop being that doing mother for a moment and just be with her um my nine-year-old she's not so much like that but she's definitely what I describe as a highly sensitive person as am I so she feels other people's feelings and emotions very very strongly um her body will react mentally and physically if there's something that's sort of out of balance so again I try and remind myself to just be with her when she's in those moments both positive and negative but it's difficult so my number one my number one thing to remind myself all the time is definitely just don't always put my self-care and wellness and spirituality spirituality in a box that has to be done alone Mm, that's such a good point yeah I've been thinking quite a lot about this you know, severing really that has happened with spirituality versus like normal life, but then also then getting grounded in embodiment. It's like this compartmentalization that's happened with mm-hmm. us. And, and it's amazing when we have our awakenings because it's like a whole new world opens up, but the integration is the the key point. And I think we're all figuring out how to do that because in our society and culture today, um, particularly like where you and I live um, and in most places in the world, the, the sacred thread has been kind of pulled out of the day-to-day life. And so I think that we're all finding our way to weave that sacred back in. And um, yeah, like there's things like daily practice, which is like 
it's really hard to do with toddlers or whatever or just anyone screaming around you. Yes. <laughs> and so you do need to go away sometimes to just have that time. And, and having time on your own for some of us is really important. I know it is for me. But then also I love what you said about finding ways to prop properly bring it into into the normal life as well especially with like both your daughters I'm sure but particularly the first one you mentioned sounds like a little mystic mm-hmm. um so yeah finding ways to to properly weave it back in we live in Glastonbury and so I think that it the land here has taught my husband and I a lot about finding ways to to bring it into our everyday because so many people here, you know, really honour the wheel of the year. Uh, we go to the Chalice Well or other places for um, solstice and equinox and things like that. Yeah, it's not about like going away to meditate. It's it's just, you know, you're, the community gathers together to honour these, these moments. And so we've been working out what are our family rituals, you know, like we've got a, a family altar that we make. And so we'll t- maybe my, my, my son will be at the shop with my husband and he'll be like, okay, you can get one thing from the shop for the altar and he'll pick something, whatever he picks, we bring, make the, make the altar around it. So yeah, we're just finding ways to make it, like you say, less about like the individual thing and more about it being something that we do together. I've also started doing that more with my my team that I work with. And this was more prompted by my husband, actually, of like, how can we bring devotion and spiritual practice like into our workday? Because obviously, like I run a spiritual business and it's so easy to be like, oh gosh, look at your emails and there's all these things to do. But everyone who works in my company, like it's it's the devotion that's called us all. And so we've started doing things like our Monday morning project meetings. We've got, we do um, a card reading and it's not just me doing it. Like someone will pull a card, we'll take it in turns for the week. Um, and then someone else will build an altar for us as well. Um, and so that's been so amazing. So it's, it's not just kind of like me who's doing the spiritual stuff and everyone else doing the business stuff around it. I've re I find that so nourishing as well. That's such a wonderful idea. And I'm, I'm thinking of that as I think about Hmm. my team as well. I think it's such an important idea. And also as you speak, you know, about not only children, but also people that you're working with, how it's really nice to connect with them in the way that they see spirituality. So for example, if your son enjoys getting things for the altar or going for certain walks or certain places which have a spiritual meaning, stepping into that a little bit more so, because I think what it's tempting to do as a spiritual mother, as a spiritual leader of a team, to try and expect people to step into your way of being spiritual. Mm. But actually it's really nice to step into their way. And I think each individual is very, very different in the way that they express their their spirituality, their their soul purpose, their soul-led life. So as we speak today, I'm definitely, definitely thinking of things and um, almost making mental notes really about how I'm going to to start to do that in, in my life straight away. Wonderful. And I'd love to finish just by asking you to share your top tip for inner peace. Mm. I'd say getting out in nature as pos- as as much as we can 
because I think when we get out in nature and properly notice the nature around us, it has so much to teach us. And, you know, as we notice the seasons changing, it kind of reminds us to kind of loosen our grip on those parts of us that are changing because we're ever-changing beings living in an ever-changing world. And it's the change that I think that we find the hardest. And so, yeah, the more connected to nature we become, I think it's easier to be more connected to that part of us that is constantly guiding us. That's lovely. That's so beautiful. And as I'm sat here looking at your two oracle decks, um, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any other decks or is it just the rose and the starseed? I've got another one called the Work Your Light Oracle. Oh, that's so amazing. I was hoping there's a third. I feel like <laughs> I feel like these two are looking for their third partner. Here. This is <laughs> oh, great. I'm going to get that one too. That's fabulous. <laughs> and I know you've written lots of other books as well. So yeah. I guess that people can get those via your website or yeah, anywhere that head- sells books. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. my website's rebeccacampbell.me. So head over there and I'm on Instagram and all those places too. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Awesome. It's been such a beautiful chat. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Danielle. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.